Hello and welcome to the European Respiratory Journal podcast. It's great to have you with us. My name is James Chalmers. I'm the chief editor of the European Respiratory Journal. Every month we talk about a new exciting paper that's online at the ERJ. And this month we're going to be talking about a really exciting study in COPD describing a novel biomarker of inhaled corticosteroid response for people with COPD. To talk about that study, we've got the lead author on the study, Professor Diana Stoltz from the University of Freiburg in Germany, uh, has very kindly interrupted her holiday in Sardinia to talk to us about the study. We're hoping the sound will maintain through the interview. Diana, thanks so much for joining us. It's such an exciting study, a historic study indeed, that's the name of the study, and we're looking forward to discussing it with you. Thank you. Thank you, James. It's very nice to see you and haven't seen each other in a long time now. Yeah, so Diana is melting in the summer heat, uh, <laughs> and so we're delighted that she's able to join us to talk about this study. This seems to have been a huge undertaking. 190 bronchoscopies was my first reaction to this incredible effort to deliver this study. Tell us why you did the study, what you did and what you found. Yeah, so this is an investigator-initiated and driven study. And actually, we had the idea to look at uh, the histology in patients with COPD because I was performing thermoplasty for asthma patients. And there we've seen that they have a lot of smooth muscle hypertrophia and hyperplasia. And what I saw is that compared to COPD patients, there was a subset of patients with COPD that hasn't had exactly the same histology as patients with severe asthma. It was striking, about 40% of the patients with COPD had in the histology so much muscle that if you wouldn't know they had COPD, you could mistake them by patients with severe asthma. So we thought, if these patients have a similar histology, perhaps this is a manifestation of the same endotype. And this subset of patients with COPD might have a similar response to inhaled steroids as patients with asthma. Meaning, this could be the subset of patients with COPD that has a very good response to ICS. So what we thought about doing was to get patients with COPD and to do the whole phenotyping. When I say the whole, I, I really, uh, I'm talking about CT, I'm talking about measure of small airway diseases, but also about endobronchial biopsy and bronchomolar lavage. And based on the histology of the airways, they were divided in a group considered to have a high amount of uh, smooth muscle that we defined by more than 20% based on the pilot study we've done before, or a low amount of smooth muscle that would be less than uh, 20%. And for that, we include about 200 patients. I, I believe this is the largest bronchoscopy study performed in COPD so far. And then all these patients, irrespective of whether they were on triple therapy or receiving only dual bronchodilators, they got put on triple therapy for six weeks. So they, there was a running phase for six weeks in which everybody received triple therapy. And after that, they were randomized to, to go for a year, either receiving dual bronchodilation with LABA and LAMA plus placebo or to receive triple therapy. And our primary endpoint was what happens to the lung function, to FEV1 after a year, basically because we know that a study with 200 patients would be underpowered 
to detect any changes in exacerbation rate. We had this for the secondary endpoint, but the power calculation was really based on FUV1. Okay. And so what did you find? What was the, the headline result of the study? Yeah. So it was very strikingly to see that there was a huge difference in how patients respond to ICS depending on the amount of muscle they had. In patients with a high amount of muscle, more than 20%, the change in FEV1 in those not receiving ICS as compared to those receiving ICS was after one year, 180 mLs. Whereas in patients with a low amount of muscle, as, as most muscle, the change in ICS between the ones without ICS and ICS, the change in FEV1 was 50 mLs suggesting that the group that have high amount of muscle in the endobronchial biopsy respond much better in terms of improvement of SEV1 for triple therapy as compared to the group that has a low amount of muscle. So it's remarkable. So the histology really did predict the response to the ICS to a huge degree greater than any other biological marker I can think of. You mentioned that smooth muscle hypertrophy and hyperplasia is a, a feature of asthma. And whenever we talk about biomarkers of ICS response in COPD, the cynics say, ah, but these are just misdiagnosed patients with asthma. You did really detailed biological characterization of these patients. I mean, was there any other features to suggest that these patients had asthma? Um, no. In fact, we measured really everything you can think about. We measure atopy, we measure IgEs. We have uh, patients with a decrease in diffusion capacity, suggesting that they have an emphysema as well. They had a mean of 50 pack years of smoking. So those were people that smoked a lot. And actually, a history of asthma was an exclusion criteria. So I think we undertook everything we could to really make sure we're talking here about patients with COPD and not about patients with asthma. Yeah. So what, what do you think is going on? What is this subset of COPD patients that have thickened airway smooth muscle? What's, what do you think is driving this? What's underlying this endotype of COPD? I think this is a super interesting question because I do believe that in COPD, we have different endotypes of inflammation. And I believe that by selecting people by this different histology, we are identifying patients with T2 high inflammation, similar to patients with asthma. So I think that patients with COPD, some of them do have the T2 high inflammation, similar to what we see in asthma, but to a much subtle degree. So in these patients, although they do have a bit of increase in FENO, the mean is around 15. It's not as high as we see in asthma. But they do have changes in the remodeling that resemble the endotypic changes we see in asthma. So I believe that the histology is highlighting the underlying endotype of inflammation, which has some similarities with some patients with asthma. Yeah. But the hot biomarker in COPD at the moment to define that T2 high group is the bloody eosinophil count. And I saw in the study you addressed that question. And maybe surprisingly, the bloody eosinophil count didn't seem to predict response. I mean, what was your interpretation of that? We were very surprised because we expect to see an association with the amount of smooth muscle and eosinophils. Uh, now we measure eosinophil is not only in blood, but also in the bronchoalveolar lavage and also in the endobronchial biopsy. So we, we 
we looked for three different compartments and we ex really expected to see some hint of a high amount of xenophils being associated to a response to ICS. And unfortunately, that's not what we've seen. I mean, we really try with different cutoffs, with percentages, with absolute numbers. We look everywhere, but we found no association. And I would be glad to see a study that used xenophils to randomize patients to ICF because we haven't seen this data yet, right? The data we have on azelophils is purely observational and usually a secondary endpoint. Actually, we do not have any study using azelophils as primary to categorize patients to receive an odd ICF. So it will be very interesting to have this data to compare what is done here. Uh, now, obviously, uh, this was a small subset of patients. We assessed in these three compartments. We haven't looked for the different kinds of azelophils. Perhaps there's something else there we haven't seen yet, but so far uh, we haven't seen really any association. So this is really, really exciting data and a very novel study. I mean, I don't, I've not seen anything like this before in COPD. Where do you think we go next? Because I guess in clinical practice, it's going to be hard to do a biopsy for each of our patients before we start an ICS. So is it looking for non-invasive biomarkers or other ways that we can measure this biology that you've identified? Yeah, so I, I think there are two things we could do from here. First would be, uh, for sure, we are looking at the samples now to try to identify things that could help us without going into biopsy to find out that. And this could be things that goes from genetics to other biomarkers that we could use, or perhaps a score uh, using everything we, we collected here. So there will be more coming up from there. The second point is, I think for some patients, we might consider bronchoscopy as a way to decide whether to put patients on ICS or not. I mean, if we think how easily we decide to send a patient to heart catheterization or gastroscopy, perhaps it would make sense in pneumology to say, okay, I'm not sure in this patient. We have nothing suggesting that this patient should receive an ICS, but on the other side, it's a severe disease. Perhaps we should consider this. Perhaps it makes sense to do a bronchoscopy, to do the histology, because the difference is so gigantic, isn't it? I mean, I think one of the things that we always said, is, why should we measure things if it doesn't make any difference? But here we have such a huge difference. If we enrich our population by the amount of smooth muscle, they benefit so much from the therapy that I think for some patients with a clinical relevant disease, it would make sense to consider bronchoscopy indeed until we have found out a less invasive surrogate marker for ICS response. Yeah. Well, Diana, congratulations on what must have been logistically an incredibly difficult study to deliver. It's truly a novel study. And in terms of our understanding of COPD, I do think it takes us forward. We're really excited that this is being published online in the European Respiratory Journal. It's online now for all of you to read. It's called The Historic Study. And I'd like to thank Diana for joining us today and walking us through the study and you for listening. Thank you very much. And we'll see you next month for the next edition of the European Respiratory Journal podcast. Thank you for having me, James. Thank you so much. Bye bye. <laughs>